Today I have the uh, privilege of introducing you all to our guest speaker, uh, Milton Jones. Uh, he hails from Amarillo. Uh, for roughly about four decades, he has been involved in ministry. The first 30 years was spent in Seattle as a preaching minister. The last eight years, however, he has moved into a role with Christian Relief Fund, or what we call a CRF. He serves currently as the president for Christian Relief Fund. For those who are not familiar with Christian Relief Fund, they currently have works in roughly 30 countries around the world. There's a three-tiered program, the first one being orphans. I encourage you, if you saw on, the, on your way in, please make sure you stop by on your way out after our service is over today to look at the table um, for Christian Relief Fund. On the table, you will see names of orphans that are in Honduras and in Africa that are needing financial support. The support is done on a monthly basis and will help them to provide them with clothes, food, education, and then also more importantly, to learn and have a relationship with Jesus. Um, Their second um, part of works that they do, Christian Relief Fund does, is provide wells. This year alone, Milton told me earlier that 90 wells, as a result of funds that have been given to Christian Relief Fund, will be put in places where they are now going to have access to clean water. So definitely a praise. And then lastly, the third point, mission point of Christian Relief Fund um, is centered around disaster relief. Um, they, they send volunteers and individuals and employees that work for Christian Relief Fund uh, to help with natural disasters, not only across the world, but even here in the United States. They most recently uh, spent time helping with Hurricane Harvey. So, Milton, I'd like you to come up real quick. I'm going to say a prayer of blessing over you as you share a word. Church, please bow with me. Lord, we come to you this morning. We, While today is Mission Sunday, Lord, to you it's not a single day of the week and not a single day of the year. Lord, your call for us as Christians is to live a missional life, to serve others, to love others, to share your word. Lord, help get us out of our comfort zones, Lord, to... Talk to our friends, talk to our neighbors, our families, our co-workers, people in third world countries or homeless down the road from us, Lord, that are lost without you, Lord. We just, we ask that the words that Milton speaks today be your words. Speak to our hearts. Lord, my prayer for today is that our church be even more ignited in missions in 2018 than we were in 2017, and that we give that hope to you. Lord, we thank you for your son, his sacrifice, and we are so grateful for that. And in his name we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, Carson. It's so good to be with you here at Crosspoint. And uh, I've been praying about this for a long time, and I'm so honored to be uh, invited to, to preach this morning. My name is Milton Jones, as he said, and I always wear orange. You got to know that about me. I always wear orange, but I don't wear orange for the same reason that Tim or Kale might, might uh, wear orange. They wear orange because they went to Oklahoma State. I didn't go there, but I, but I love orange and, and, uh, and all for Oklahoma State unless they're playing Texas Tech. And uh, 
But I always wear orange. Let me tell you why I wear orange, because that's going to tie in later to, uh, to what a story I'm going to tell you. I always wear orange because I was in Kasumu, Kenya, in the Alinda slum one day, and I was surrounded by a bunch of AIDS orphans. And these AIDS orphans came up to me and they said, did you know that orange is the color of hope for AIDS orphans in sub-Saharan Africa? And I said, no, I didn't know that. And so they said, would you wear orange for us? And I said, sure, I'll wear orange for you. And then they said this, and I didn't really think this through. They said, every day? And I said, sure. (laughs) You know, and I, I said, every day. And I went to Texas Tech, and as you know, we're the red Raiders. Yeah, so it, it's kind of ended up being a, a little bit of a mistake, but, but I try to keep my word, and I'm wearing orange every day until there's a cure for AIDS. If there's a cure for AIDS, I'm going to wear a different color, I think. So anyhow, I'm wearing this orange all the time, and I thought maybe you want to wear orange too, so I brought you some bracelets, and so if you go back to our CRF table, uh, the beautiful Barbie Jones, my wife, she's here, and uh, she'll give you a, a, a bracelet. And, and they're great bracelets. They have uh, the Swahili word tuma'ini on them. And uh, tuma'ini is the uh, Swahili word for hope. And uh, this, is, this is my second batch of bracelets. Uh, on my first batch of bracelets that I was distributing, I nearly spelled tuma'ini correctly. I nearly did. And, uh, and, and so I was passing these around every place and I was over in Uganda, and uh, I was passing them around there, and I said, and this is the Swahili word for hope, too. and, uh, and they, they said, no, it's not. <laughs> you see, they actually speak Swahili in Uganda, <laughs> and so I said, it's not, and I said, well, what is the, the Swahili word for? And they said, lust, <clears throat> and so... My name is Milton Jones, and I travel around the world passing out lust bracelets. And uh, it's so good to be here, and uh, I want to thank you so much for uh, the work that you've given to Christian Relief Fund, and you may not have made the connection yet, but Christian Relief Fund uh, helps you, and you help Christian Relief Fund with the work in Complemento, because that is one of our works. And I know you have these great mission trips down there, and you help the kids. I got some ki- pictures of the kids up here. Aren't these kids just precious? And these are kids, and so many of them are orphaned, and some are just destitute, and they're needing hope, they're needing Jesus, they're, they're needing help. You've helped build schools down there that these kids get to go to. You've helped with the church there. They're growing up learning about Jesus. They're getting fed well, as you can tell, and just you're bringing life to these kids in Complimento. I know you've got a mission trip scheduled, and I think it's getting pretty full, isn't it, Carson? So if you want to go down to Complimento this summer, uh, you better sign up quickly. And it's, it'll change their lives, but I have a feeling it's going to change your life too. And so thank you so much. And maybe you didn't know this, but today, is, you knew today was Mission Sunday here at Cross Point. But maybe what you didn't know is that today is International Orphan Sunday. And so you picked a great day. And what I love about the, the kind of missions that you do here at cross point i mean you're trying to reach everybody but you're not forgetting the orphan and so many things that you do here at cross point you remember the orphan and you help and you care and i just want to commend you for that and just say i think god's very pleased with that and so today's orphan sunday and you can if you if you're not helping an orphan you can do it today we got at our christian relief fund table we got a lot of orphans back there and i brought quite a few from campamento 
I know a bunch of you already sponsor kids in Campamento, but if you want to join everybody else and, and sponsor a kid there, as Carson was saying, we sure have some there. And I'll have some kids from some of the other places that I tell stories about today. And so go back there. It's about a dollar a day. I mean, I spend a dollar a day in Amarillo very, very quickly. When I was in Seattle, I spent it even more quickly. And, uh, and you probably do here in Grand Prairie for a dollar a day. You can uh, support, a, support a kid. You can feed them, clothe them, educate them, get them spiritual training just to help them have a life. And so if you want to sponsor one of these kids like uh, Arena, she's here from Campamento, and she's just been abandoned and needs somebody to take care of her. You'd be her sponsor and, and take care of her if you wanted to help So thanks for helping out all the orphans. The BBC did a study recently, and they went back and studied decades on what you could do if you really wanted to help alleviate poverty for the long term. And uh, I was kind of concerned when they came out with that because I thought, oh, no, they're going to say what we're not doing. (laughs) but, But anyhow, when they came out, they had two things. They had a lot of things that you could do. But the top two things that they came out with was, number one, sponsor a child. Number one, sponsor a child. And so when you're sponsoring one of these children, you're really making a difference. You really are. And the second thing they said was drill a water well in a place that doesn't have clean water. And I know that, uh, that you have actually helped uh, down in Campamento in some of those outside areas, uh, a little bit away from the school. You've actually helped bring clean water to the, to the kids and, and, the, and the families out there. And that's really making a difference in the world. Uh, you know what, this is a place right here, and this is in Turkana, Kenya, and we're drilling this well here, and in that place, it has not rained in eight years. Can you imagine that? Eight years, no rain. And so we're drilling wells there, and uh, we've drilled uh, a lot of wells. As Carson said, we've drilled about, we've drilled 90 wells in the last year. And uh, in this particular area, every time we drill a well, we try to plant a church with it. Because the people come to where we're drilling the well, and the first thing we do is we tell them about Jesus and plant a church. And uh, we, we, we try to do it, it's hard because it takes less time to drill a well than plant a church. But we're trying to keep up with ourselves. And in the last two years, in, in the, just in this one area, we planted 82 churches with the wells that, that we've drilled. And so we're trying to give them water and also giving living water. And uh, if anybody's interested in that, you can talk to me. But I want to talk a little bit today because we've given money, right? We've given money for a great cause. And I want to talk a little bit about economics. When I was at Texas Tech, Marshall Warder and I, we went to uh, Texas Tech together. We were pledge brothers at uh, Texas Tech, and he studied architecture and I studied economics. And I learned a lot about economics, and I want to share two stories with you about economics. One's a story that was my personal experience, and the second one's a story that Jesus told and that will help you understand God's economics. I was in the Linda Slum. It's the most uh, diseased place on the planet. It has the highest prevalence of AIDS of any place that you can possibly go on this earth. And anyhow, I was there, and I, I helped them build a, an, an HIV-AIDS center there. And so I was there trying to uh, distribute food and everything. And as I was uh, talking to some people, Jared Odiombo was our director, and I was talking to him, and I looked over, and there was this little kid to my left. It was this kid right here. 
And anyhow, I looked at him and I said, Jared, who's that kid over there? I said, I sure like his shirt. And he kind of laughed and he said, well, that's not his shirt. And I said, well, he's wearing it. And he says, no, he's here to see you. And he knew you always wore orange. (laughs) And so he went around the slum just asking people till he found someone who had an orange shirt that they would loan him so he could wear it today when he went over to see you. So here's this kid, and he's over there. And I said, well, tell me about this kid. And he said, well, he's here because he's hoping maybe you'll get him sponsored. He wants to go to school. He doesn't get to go to school because he doesn't have enough money. And his parents died of AIDS. So he's an AIDS orphan. And not only that, you'll notice when you get close to him, he's got this big hump on his back. And he said, and that's a tumor. And so he doesn't get to eat regularly. He doesn't have a good place to stay since his parents died. And he doesn't get to go to school. So I thought, well, man, I better go talk to this kid. So I walked over to where this kid is and kind of bent down to shake his hand like all of you would. And then I asked him the question that would be the first question all of us would ask, right? What would we ask? What is your name, right? (laughs) So I bent down, shook his hand, and I said, what is your name? And he looked back up at me and he said, Milton That was really his name. He was Milton. And then right then, it was just an experience of my lifetime. Right there, I I started asking why, why, why? Because here's little Milton in the orange shirt, and here's big Milton in the orange shirt. Here's little Milton who doesn't have enough to eat in the orange shirt. Here's big Milton who eats way too much. Here's little Milton who doesn't get to go to school. Here's big Milton who's gone to school way too much. Here's little Milton who doesn't have a place to stay. Here's big Milton who has a great house. Here's little Milton who has a tumor. Big Milton does not. Here's little Milton who lost his parents of AIDS. Here's big Milton who didn't. And I started saying, why him and why me? And right then it dawned on me that I had won the cosmic lottery. By being born when I was born and where I was born, I had won the cosmic lottery. Because there are no people in the history of this world that have had more than us. And I don't say stories like, The one of little Milton to make you feel guilty because feeling guilty about that doesn't help anything. But I do tell you stories like that to make you feel grateful. We ought to be really grateful. We have got so much. And what does that prompt us to do? Well, hopefully it prompts us to give. Like we already have this morning. And we'll take some more, won't we, Tim? I mean, you can take some more. We'll take plenty more, and we'll just do more good things with missions. So if you get motivated to give more, do it. Do it. Because we want to give to help people out because we've got so much to give. I want to tell you a story that's God's economics that comes from Jesus. And it's one of the weirdest stories, I think, in the New Testament. And I'm hoping maybe we can make a little bit of sense of it, and it might uh, motivate us toward missions. And uh, it's in Luke 16. And when you study a passage in the Bible and you have trouble understanding it, I try to look for three things. And especially if Jesus said it and especially if it's a parable. But first of all, I look for context. Like what is happening in this passage? 
And many times I'll understand what the passage is about if I'll just see what's happening before or after it. And then the second thing is I look for the point. Especially in a parable of Jesus, you know, there's a point. He has a point. And sometimes we'll try to find a hundred points, but I'm telling you, there's usually one big point that you can get from the parable. And then thirdly, there's an aha that we try to discover. Because Jesus could have just told us what he wants to tell us, but instead he tells us a story. So we'll listen to the story and go, aha, we'll get what he's talking about. So, first of all, let's look at the context. We call this the uh, parable of the unjust steward. The context, it's all about money. Verse 13. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, who loved money, heard all of this, and we're sneering at Jesus. So the context here we find out is about money. And he's telling this story to some people who love money. Okay, here's the story. Verse 1. We've got a bad employee. Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So you've got a bad employee. Now the bad employee is going to get the pink slip. Verse 2. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. Okay, this guy's in trouble because he's going to lose his job and he's too lazy to work and he's too proud to beg. Verse 3, the manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. Okay, here's where the story starts getting strange in verse 4. Let's look at what happens. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. Now, how would you like this? Now, if you were the person who is in debt, you'd like it a lot, wouldn't you? Like, what if your loan officer just is looking through his records, and he discovers that you owe $200,000 on your house? And what if he called you up and said, I'd like to reduce your loan to $100,000. Would you like that? I guarantee you you'd like that. Would you recommend that bank? I guarantee you you'd recommend that bank. But what if you're the president of that bank and you find out your loan officer just did that? You think you'd be irate or what? You did what? You just cut his debt in half? That's what's really weird when you get to verse 8. Because in verse 8 it says, The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. You think, that's strange. Like, who said that? Jesus. Okay, so there's got to be a point in here someplace, right? Okay, here's the point. It's in the last half of that verse. He says, For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. So what's he saying there? Jesus is saying is that sometimes out in the world, it seems like they're wiser in the way they use money than we are as people of the light. Get that? I preached in Seattle for about 30 years, and we were always trying to get Bill Gates to come to our church and tithe. 
And I just want to tell you the difference in the way he sees things and we tend to see things, okay? Let's take malaria, for example. Okay, I've had malaria three times. Oh, you missed your cue. Okay. You see, what, what you're supposed to do, and what nearly always happens, is I say, I've had malaria three times, and you're supposed to go, oh, oh. got it. Okay, let's try this all again. I've had malaria three times. See, I know you get it. That's what nearly always happens to me. I tell about malaria. People go, oh, I feel real sorry for me. But Bill Gates is very different. He found out, you know, not too long ago about malaria and about how 2,000 children a day die of malaria, even when there was a medicine you could take for a cure for malaria back when Teddy Roosevelt was president. And still 2,000 people die a day. And you know what Bill Gates said? Well, let's eradicate malaria. Let's just get rid of it. He says, I'll devote my money and we'll just get rid of malaria. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? And I'm thinking, why didn't we think of that? You see, why didn't we think? Because we could pool a whole bunch of money together, and we could get rid of malaria. But we didn't. We didn't think of that. We just, we just don't think that. And so Jesus says, sometimes it seems like the people in the world are wiser in their use of the money than the people of the light. Let me tell you a story. It's one of my favorite stories, the, at least the latter part of the story. And I... Uh, when I became president of Christian Relief Fund, it was during that recession that we had a few years ago. Remember that one? The big recession we had. Well, our president had died, and they hadn't had a president in a few years, and so they asked me if I would be the president and uh, help them, especially raise some money uh, to help orphans around the world. And uh, I said I would, and then when I, when I first started working, I realized why they wanted me is because they had just lost 800 sponsors. See, they had sponsors that had been taking care of orphans, and when the recession hit, immediately they thought, Our fi- my finances are going to be so bad, I can't support orphans, and so they quit supporting orphans. 800 people did that. And so I had to figure out what to do about that, and so I, I, I said, here's, here's my new policy, my first policy. We're going to not cancel the funds that's going out to all these 800 orphans. We're still going to take care of them. I said, if it kills us, we go bankrupt. We're going to do it by helping these orphans. And so I said, and the way we're going to do that is we're not going to sponsor any new kids until I can get these old kids sponsored. We'll get them sponsored first, and then we can get to new kids. Doesn't that seem like a good policy? Don't you? I think so. I thought it was a good policy. We'll see. Okay, I'm over in Kenya near where little Milton lived, where we had that uh, AIDS clinic. And so uh, I was there one day, just talking to some people in the clinic, and they told me that a man had just walked for two days to see me. And I said, well, send him up. And so he, he uh, came upstairs where we were sitting and uh, introduced himself, and he told me his situation. He said that I am a uh, retired school teacher. He said, uh, I live on a little bitty pension. And he told me it was very small. And then he said, I'm also a farmer. And I have a farm, but we're in the middle of maybe the biggest famine in our, in our entire lifetimes. And he said, and so I just can't grow any crops on my field. And he said, and I also have 123 AIDS orphans living with me on my farm. 
And so I turned to my friend Jared and I said, Jared, is this guy for real? And he said, yeah, he has 123 AIDS orphans on his field. And he says, and, and he can't produce crops and he doesn't have hardly any money. And he said, yeah, that's the situation. And so this guy said, well, I heard you help orphans. And I said, yeah, yeah. And he said, well, I thought maybe you might could help with my orphans. And so I had the privilege now of explaining to him my new policy. <laughs> so you, th- you thought it was good too a minute ago. And so, you know, he's telling me all about his orphans, and I have to say, well, you know, we're in this horrible recession over here in the United States, and we've lost, you know, all these people who used to sponsor and used to give to us, and so I'm trying to get all these, these old kids sponsored, and because I'm doing that, I can't really take any new kids for sponsorship. And so, you know what he had the audacity to do? He gets up, walks over to me, puts his hands on my shoulders, and he prays for this horrible recession that we're going through in the United States. He said, Lord, I don't even know what a recession means, but it sure sounds terrible. Bless these people in the United States. Help them to get well. You know, bless Milton. Bless him. And then so he, so he finished his prayer, shook hands with me, thanked me, and he's going to walk back two days. And I turned to my friend Jared, and I said, Jared, I can't remember his name. What's his name? And Jared says, oh, that's Emmanuel. Remember what that means, right? God with us. And I felt like I just had Jesus pray over our recession. You know what I mean? And I I just, I couldn't believe, you know, I wasn't helping him, you know, because of this dumb policy that I created. So a little time went by. And Rick actually asked me if I'd come preach over the hills. And I said, well, what do you want me to preach on? He says, you got any good stories? And I said, well, i got this great story about a manual. It just doesn't end very well. And I'm kind of embarrassed to, to tell it because I really haven't helped him. And I said, I'll tell you what, Rick. I said, I'll come and tell that story if, if you'll sponsor some orphans over there at the hills. And he said, okay, we'll do that. And so, I, and so that was good. So I went to tell the story and we got... A bunch of the kids sponsored. In fact, we sponsored 160 kids, even though there was 123, because I knew that by the time I got there, there'd be more kids uh, that were AIDS orphans there on Emmanuel's farm. So I went back over there. We now had some funds, had some sponsorships for these kids, and uh, and I got, went to Emmanuel's farm, and I got there, and sure enough, there were 317 kids. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started helping them, and they were sponsored, and. Uh, I went in this, in this mud hut. I can't remember. It might be this one here. I can't remember if it's this one or what. And uh, went in there to, uh, to talk to Emmanuel. Just sit down. And I said, Emmanuel, tell me your needs. Because I don't think I've been listening very well to your needs. So he explained a little bit about his needs. And he said, but if you really want to help some people who are hurting, there's some kids up on Mount Elgon about 30 minutes away. And they're 10 times worse than my kids. They're all war orphans. I thought, whoa, whoa. Luke 16, verse 9, it's the aha of the passage. It's the aha. He says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Let me read that one more time. It's the aha. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. So he says, use your wealth, use our money, so that when it is gone, you got that one right, don't you? You know that. One day, your money will be gone. 
So he says, use your money so when it's gone, you will have gained friends who will welcome you into eternal dwellings, that's like heaven, because of the way you used your money here. Got that? So I walked out of the room, this mud hut, and when I walked out of the room, I saw this, and I pulled out my phone and recorded it. Let me show you this little video. on for about 20 more minutes it's just thank you thank you thank you thank you and then I realized it hit me that's what Jesus is talking about isn't he yeah I thought that's the way heaven's going to be it's going to be people who are welcoming you into eternal dwellings that'll be saying thank you thank you thank you because of how you've used your money here on earth it will affect eternal dwellings and they will welcome you to the eternal dwellings I'd love to be somebody from cross point church of Christ going into to an eternal dwelling. I really would. I think you shouldn't fear eternal dwellings. You should be having some expectations, some great hope of how it's going to be because you're going to get to some eternal dwellings and you know what's going to be there? You're going to have some orphans. You're going to have some kids that look exactly like those little kids I showed you pictures of in Campamento. And you're going to get to eternal dwellings. You're not going to see St. Peter with one of those funny jokes. No, you'll, you'll, you'll get to eternal dwellings. And what's going to happen is you'll have all these orphans. And you know what they're going to be doing? They're going to be saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for the way that Cross Point Church has helped them out, has encouraged them, has helped them find Jesus, has given them food, has given them water. And they'll say, thank you, thank you, thank you. And it won't be for 20 minutes. They'll have plenty of time. They'll have an eternity of time just to say, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're going to have people that are there. And you know, if, when they're on earth, they lived in Ukraine. <clears throat> and you'll see them there, and they're going to say, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know why? Because you gave them Bibles. Because we gave this money today, and some of it went to Eastern European missions, and they will supply Bibles to them who, who wouldn't have got a Bible otherwise. You'll have some other people who'll be saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know why they'll be saying that? It's because you gave some money today to Pioneer Bible Translators. And they're going to be translating the Bible into a language that they can actually read for themselves. And they'll find Jesus because of what you gave today. And they'll be saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're going to find some kids that are there. And they look a lot like the kids at Emmanuel's farm. They're from Rongo, Kenya. Rongo, Kenya. And and they're at a place called Sam's Place. And they're deaf. But on that day, they won't be. On that day, when you come there, they're not going to be signing anymore. They're just going to be saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because you helped them with what they needed. You helped them with food. You helped them with Jesus. You gave them an education when nobody else would. You gave them a break when everybody else just kind of didn't even pay attention to them. You cared. You loved. And they'll say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're going to have kids there. And there'll be kids that look a lot like our kids. 
but they'll be from the camp of the hills. Because you were there. Because you loved them. Because you went a little bit further than anybody else had gone for them. And they're going to be there and they're going to say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You have serve projects here that have been helping the marginalized people. And they'll be there. And they'll say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You see, what we've done today is we've given some money. We used some money. We were going to lose it anyway. But we, we, we realized that today. It wasn't going to last. But it could have a great purpose. And it could be given and used in such a way for God's glory that it will have consequences of eternity. And that because of that one day, we're going to see it. And we'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings with thank you, thank you, thank you. Emmanuel died recently. Last thing I remember Emmanuel telling me was this. He said, Milton, uh, you know these people over there where you live, over in the United States, I remember praying for them. And he said, and it's really good because they ended up helping out anyway. (laughs) And they keep sending all this help. We have all these kids sponsored. We have water. We have food. We have Jesus. And he said, so what you can do for me, Milton? He said, he said I'm going to die pretty soon. He said, would you go back to some of those people that help? And would you thank them a trillion times? And so, from Emmanuel today, I'll tell you this. Thank you a trillion times. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for caring. If you want to care more, that's great. I'm glad you've already cared. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Today we're thinking about others. We're thinking about others that don't have Jesus. We're thinking about others that don't have food, water, education. And I'm so glad. It's so rare that we just totally focus outward but i think you know there could be somebody here that kind of needs a little help today and if that's your case we'd love to help you this is a church that loves to help people we're going to have some of our shepherds or some of our leaders here and they'll be on the outside walls here and and uh, they would love to pray for you they'd love to help you they'd love to listen to what's bugging you today and don't come here and not get a prayer when you got kinds of people great kinds of people that want to pray for you Maybe you want to be baptized today. That would be great. I saw your cool baptistry out there. Man, I like that. And uh, we might as well use it today. If you need to be baptized into Christ, won't you do that? We're going to sing a song again. Would you listen to the song again? And we're going to stand. And if you need a prayer, come, come talk to somebody and, and, and get a prayer. And thanks for helping people all over the world today. Thank you.